Morning, church. It's been a little bit, a little while since I've been up here with you guys. Feel really blessed to be here today. I was on suspension. They said I picked on Mark too much, so not allowed to, not allowed to do that anymore. I guess. No, oh, all right. I'm good. Okay, we're good then. He's not. I don't think he's here today, is he? So, is he? Oh, we're good. Oh, we're good then. Yeah, we're good. Man, I gotta change my whole message now. No, but uh, we did have a little bit of a. Me and Emma did have a little bit of a small life change happen over the past couple months. We uh, welcomed our our little boy Elias into the world, and we've been super blessed by that. I even put up a little picture here. I feel like a, a grandma at the grocery store. I walk around with my pocketbook, and I'm like, you want to see a picture of my baby? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you're in luck. I'm going to show you anyway. Here you go. Yeah. I look for any excuse to show a picture of him. No, we've been super blessed. And, man, our hearts are just exploding um, with this. And God has used this so much just to show us um, so much of his love and so much of his grace and mercy and purpose for our life and just Parent, parenting just opens up a whole new world of his love to you. It's just, a, it's just totally amazing. This is just a random picture of Mark that I... <laughs> yeah. This has nothing to do with anything. I just put it on my PowerPoint. I'm going to leave it up there long enough for somebody to send a picture to him at least, you know what I mean? I don't know. If you could imagine me and the Holy Spirit sitting down to, like, get this message ready, and he's got his pen and paper, and I'm, like, with my crayon over there just, like, scribbling, you know? And I was like, how about I put a picture of Mark on the PowerPoint? And he's just like, ugh. He's like, you got 15 seconds. So my 15 seconds is up, and and this is the part where I kind of uh, let him take over. So let's pray real quick. Lord, we just surrender this whole service to you, Lord. My, my words are yours and my voice is yours. And everything that we do here is, is for your glory, Lord. So we turn this over to you. Let your truth be known, Lord. Let you um, um, touch our hearts and our minds and let us uh, uh, leave here today just uh, knowing uh, what you have in store for us and what you have um, called us into, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this message kind of came out of um, Pastor Jeff's word for us this year. Whenever he first um, introduced his word, step into the increase, this was the first verse that came into my mind. And it's John 3.30, and it says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And when I think about this, in reality, like this idea of decrease is foreign to us. Not many of us walk into our bosses and say, I'm thinking of, I need a demotion, you know what I mean? Or might as well give me a pay decrease too, because I'm getting paid way too much. Most of you students have not worked really hard for an A and then gone to your teacher and said, I'm thinking you give me a C. You know, I'm trying to decrease here because the Bible told me to. But um, so I want to preface this a little bit for you. I'm going to I'm going to give you a little bit of background into this verse. This verse is um, spoken actually by John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist, he was a wild man. He was a he was a crazy dude. I mean, he uh, he lived out in the wilderness and he ate bugs and he yelled at strangers as they walked by about Jesus. So he was like that guy that you're walking down the street, and he's on the street, and you're going to cross to the other side and be like, don't look at him. He's like that guy at the mall that you ladies pass with the perfume, and you're like, don't look at him, don't make eye contact. 
It was John the Baptist. But there was something different about John the Baptist because people were infatuated with him. Um, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that people would actually come to hear what he had to say. And uh, when they w- would come to him, he would baptize them. He would tell them about Jesus. Um, and he would baptize them. And um, people would come and follow him and kind of uh, um, pay attention to what he's doing. Uh, one day, uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people. And he looks up and boom, there's Jesus. And his, his heart is immediately enlightened to who Jesus is. And he says, there's the dude I've been talking about for so long. This is the guy I've been telling you guys about. Really, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is it. This is the moment. This is the guy. And Jesus walks down into the water, and John baptizes Jesus. And it says that the Holy Spirit uh, hovers over Jesus like a dove, and it remains. And John um, is just, this is all just a giant fulfillment of prophecy. John's whole life's work, boom, this moment. This is it. This is what John had been waiting for his entire life. So as you imagine, he's probably pretty amped up. And he gets up and he goes to the other side of the water and Jesus stays there. Some of John's followers are following him along and they're kind of like a little bit still confused by the situation. And finally one of them speaks up and they're like, John, that guy that you were talking to the other side of the water, that was Jesus, that guy, that guy you were talking to over there, he's baptizing people. Like, they're having a hard time with this because they're like, bro, you're John the Baptist, and he's baptizing people. And not only that, but everybody's going to him now, and nobody's coming to us. He's kind of like, this guy's stealing our thunder here. I mean, what are we going to do over here? John the Baptist, and he's baptizing everybody. So um, John's kind of explaining this to them, and he says, listen, guys, I'm, I'm not the Messiah. And I've told you this from the beginning, I'm not the Messiah. And this guy is the Messiah. So it's all my joy, everything that I've lived my life for, um, is to see him come, to see him increase. I must increase, or, or he must increase, I must decrease. And so I started thinking about this a little bit. And I started thinking about why this is such a struggle for us. And, you know, at first I, I kind of went to the, oh, you know what? It's a cultural problem, and we don't raise our kids right. You know what I mean? That's what, like, my go-to is that it's culture making us this way, and it's our society. And um, the Holy Spirit started to kind of uh, show me something here, and he he started to show me that maybe this isn't um, a problem with our culture or society, but this is actually a problem that has um, been reoccurring since the very beginning of existence, the very beginning of this world this has been a problem. So he took me to uh, Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read just for you a little bit here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. Adam and Eve are, uh, are, are in the garden, and boom, this, this is what happens. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired 
to make one wise, she took its fruit, which she ate. And she, said also, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes, their eyes were both opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the God, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the pre- from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, told, who, and he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave me to, gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. What I see here is that, you know, Adam and Eve, they're, they're kind of like, they're living the life. You know what I'm saying? They're like frolicking around in the garden, butt naked, hanging out with God. You know what I mean? Life is good. I mean, if we're honest, that sounds like a good time, right? Life is, life is good for them. And then Satan comes and he plants this idea in their mind that if they just had this one thing, then they would be in control. If they just had this one thing, then their life would be complete. They would be in control. They would be like God. And what I realized in this is that Satan is actually planting the same thought in mankind's mind that was planted in his mind, which led to his fall. When Satan was an angel... The, the thought that overcame him, that caused his fall, was he wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. And so he, he has his fall, and then he comes to, to mankind, and he plants the same idea in their mind that causes the same outcome, the same fall. And so we see this, like, this reoccurring theme throughout scriptures. And I, if I, you just focus on just like Israel, you can see this. So Israel is elevated as God's chosen people. God speaks over them, declares them to be his chosen people. And it doesn't take long before they start to pull back the reins of their of control. They start to yank back the reins of their lives. And next thing you know, you read on, and they're enslaved in Egypt. And then God says, you know what, I'm going to lift you up out. You've been humbled, I'm going to lift you up out of this, and I'm going to take you out into the promised land. And he leads them out of slavery and into the wilderness. And out in the wilderness, they start to tug back control again. And they go from surrender to tugging back control. And then he says, all right, I'll let you have your way, and you can wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And then finally, he's like, all right, you've been humbled. Now I'm going to take you into this promised land that I've been telling you about. And he takes them into this awesome promised land. But it doesn't take long when you keep reading that they're exiled to Babylon. It's just this reoccurring theme of them just pulling back the reins and then surrendering and realizing that this isn't, this isn't what God had for them, and, and they surrender it back to him. And then pretty soon they start to get selfish, and they start to pull back the reins and said, no, I want to be like you. I want to have control. And it's this roller coaster of, of ups and downs and ups and downs. And if we're not careful, we could read the, the scripture, and we could, we could look at this, and we could start to think that this is God's will. And that couldn't be the further from the truth. Like, when, when we talk about increase, God's will is never that we would have increase and then decrease, and then increase and then decrease, and then increase and then decrease. His will is that we would have perpetual increase, constant 
increase. And that doesn't, this isn't a prosperity gospel message. Trust me on that. Actually, it's very much the opposite. God's, God's will is that we would have spiritual increase through times of blessing, continued spiritual increase through the dry seasons of our lives where we feel like maybe um, uh, we're struggling a little bit, and continued spiritual increase back into the blessings and continued spiritual increase back into the, the struggles and the hardships. Continually spiritual increasing. That's what God intends for our lives. It's, this is not like an up and down life where he wants us to, to go through this wavering of, of, wow, everything is great. Well, I'm totally depressed. Everything is great. I'm totally depressed. Everything's the worst. Everything is great. I'm totally depressed. Everything's worse. That's not what he wants for us. That's not his desire for us. Our desire for us is that we would surrender everything to him so that what happens around us is not having an impact on our spiritual increase. All the other stuff that's going on around us are just things. At the end of the day, God is still king. Jesus is still king. He still reigns. He still has total control, whether it's the the highs or the lows or the in-betweens. He has complete control. And when everything's surrendered to him and everything is pushed to him, then nothing that happens around us can, can impact us. It's constant spiritual increase. So I started to um, look at um, John the Baptist, and I started to like look at his life. He's the guy that said that he must um, decrease, Jesus must increase, he must decrease. And so I started to look at his life and to see kind of what, what, what happened after that. And um, John, John the Baptist actually fell into a little bit of a struggle of his own. In, in Luke chapter 7, you actually come across John the Baptist, and I think that he, it, what's happening with John the Baptist is he's recognizing that this Christian walk is not exactly what I was expecting it to be. You know what I'm saying? And that happens to all of us, right? Sometimes we walk into this, and boom, we have this awesome moment with Jesus, and then things get tough, and we realize this Christian walk is not as easy as I expected it to be. And so this this thought seems to come over John the Baptist, and he gathers some of his dudes together, and he sends them to Jesus. And this is the question that he has them ask Jesus. Jesus, are you the guy that we've been waiting for, or should we keep looking? It's like, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, bro, what? What are you talking about, am I the guy? Like, is there other guys that the Spirit, like, hovered and remained after you baptized them, and you're confused now, or am I the only one, you know? I feel like, like, Jesus is a little better than me, so he obviously didn't respond that way. And, but his response is really important. And his res- Jesus' response to these guys is, is, I think, a part of this increase that God's calling us into as a church, as a body, as you, as, as individuals, and us together. This is a part of this. This is, this is what Jesus says. He tells, he tells uh, John's disciples, go back to John and tell him everything that you've seen and everything that you've heard. He doesn't just say, hey, go tell John, yeah, I'm the guy, chill. He says, he says, rather, I want you to go and tell John that hope is still being restored in, in this world. That lives are still being changed. That bodies are still being healed. That things are still happening that are good. And when everything around you seems like it's really bad, sometimes you need to step out of yourself and recognize that God is still winning. Like he's still doing his thing. Jesus is still changing lives. And that's what he's sending, that's what Jesus is sending these disciples of John back to him with. Go tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. And then he'll know who I am. 
then he'll be reassured that I am who you baptized. I am the Messiah. And th this verse kind of um, led me through some of the Gospels a little bit. Because it reminded me of a, ver of a passage in Matthew, chapter 10. And um, this, this verse in Matthew, chapter 10, it's a verse 5 through... I'm not used to having this clicker up here, but I had to because of the Mark joke. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 15. And Jesus has done all these awesome things, and his disciples have been blessed to kind of witness this. They've been blessed to kind of be along his side as he went and, and did all these incredible things and healed people and changed people's lives and lifted people out of the, out of the dirt and, and forgave people. They got to see this, but now Jesus is equipping them. And he calls his apostles together, um, getting ready to send them out. And this is what he says. This is what he says to them. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Real quick, I just want to point out that this is this is Jesus sending them out, and this is this is like my whole message right here. And this is this is I'm not finished, but this is my whole message right here. I'm going to talk a little bit randomly after. <laughs> this is my whole message right here. This is it. Is that is that God intends for us to not to just invite people to church so Pastor Jeff can tell them about Jesus. But he actually, this is what God intends for us. He's sending us out just the same. And he's sending us out to show people the gospel. He, he basically, this is what he says to them. This is his instructions to the apostles. Go out and show people the gospel, and they'll come to me. Like, if all you have to do is go and show them, they'll be beaten on the door asking, what is going on inside of you? And that's the same thing that God is calling us into as a church, as a body. You as individuals is that your life would look so radically different than everything else that's going on in the world that people would be beaten on your door saying, what is inside of you? What is going on in here? I'm looking around at this world and it all looks really bad, but there's something different about this. There's something different going on here. That's what Jesus is calling us into, this radical, to be this radical body. Radical body for Christ that literally lives our lives with everything pushed into Jesus' corner. This is all yours, Jesus. All of my life is yours, Jesus. I'm willing to go wherever you send me, and I don't even know where you're sending me. My answer is yes. That's what our that's what our answer should be as a church, as a body, is yes. I got so pumped up when this week when Pastor Jeff said, we're going to open the church for the cold. And you know what? Nobody showed up, and you know what? I don't care. That doesn't matter. Because our, our job is not results. Our job is obedience, period. That's it. And we were obedient. I was so encouraged when I showed up here to help out. And there's already, like, Ken and Jeanette are here, and Bob and Lisa are there, and um, Scott Baldwin showed up. My dad showed up, and Patty showed up. There's a ton of people. There were some ladies that I didn't even never met before from, like, Lisbon that showed up just to help, just because she wanted to help. And that's the thing. We're, you know what? When it's negative 25 degrees out again or our, our community's in need, we're going to open the doors again. And we're going to keep doing it. It doesn't matter if nobody shows up. We're going to keep casting our nets because someday Jesus might fill it with fish. We're going to keep going. And that's the amazing thing about this is Jesus' Jesus's 
whole um, message to us is obedience. When he's sending his apostles out, and I'm going to read on here, and you're going to see that. Let me just read this so, so that I don't ruin it here for you. Acquire no gold, silver, or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, two tunics, whatever that is, or sandals or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and the house is worthy, let your peace remain upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. You know what Jesus is saying here? You know what? It doesn't matter if nobody, if everybody rejects you, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that you go, that you do it, that you're available, that you're living out this word, that you're living out the gospel. And if everybody rejects it, so be it. Dust off your feet when you leave, but do it, but try, but go. This was my message for these teens for this year is to just do it. Just try. If, they, if everybody rejects you and, and things get hard, dust off your feet when you leave. But you know that you were obedient. You know that you did what God was calling you into. And, and, and the thing is about this is that this is not ever easy. I mean, at the end of the day, for my dad had to show up here. He showed up at like 9 o'clock at night. And he was going to stay till 7 in the morning to these people. Nobody showed up. But he was going to stay all night and then go to work the next day. And I can promise you because I've done lock-ins, that is the worst thing in the world. I'm telling you. I'm only 30. He's like 70. So, <laughs> so that is the worst in the world. I'm telling you, it's terrible. Nobody wants to stay up all night once you're past, like, I don't know, 19 or 20 years old. I think that, that's the cutoff point. After that, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So I'm telling you, that's, it takes sacrifice to do this thing. It takes sacrifice. It takes personal sacrifice. It takes you being willing to literally set your own agenda aside and saying, listen, Jesus, I'm completely open to whatever you want from me. I'm completely open. All my finances are yours. All my, all my life and all the things that I do are yours. When you t tell me to go, I'll go. And it doesn't matter what happens afterwards. It doesn't matter what the results of that is. All that matters is that I'm in. I'll go. That's, that's what we are called into. As a church, that's what we're called into. Step into that. When we're stepping into the increase, what we're actually stepping into is down to, to Jesus' feet to push everything that we are at him. Say, everything that I am is yours, Jesus. I'm all in on this. There's been so many, so many people within Christianity that have been taught that we can flutter on the edge of Christianity, that we can accept Jesus and believe in him, and nothing in our life has to reflect anything that has to do with Jesus. This idea that we can still do whatever we want because we believe in Jesus, and he'll forgive us anyway. And this is, that's so far from what Jesus has for us. The, the thing with that is, is that it's not that, it's not that I'm going to stand here and say, you're not going to heaven. I'm not, I'm not in the right to make that judgment. But here's what I am willing to say is that you will miss out on all of the great things that Jesus has for your life if you're not willing to surrender to him. While you're busy chasing all these earthly, fleshly things that will not bring you eternal happiness, you will, you're missing out on this crazy joy and peace that Jesus has for you. There is nothing greater than when you push everything in Jesus' corner and he takes you and uses you 
the way that your, your life is meant to be lived. When you're, when you're fulfilling your purpose in your life, the one that Jesus wrote out when he was writing out your life, that's when you have joy. That's when you have peace. When you've held on to nothing and said, everything is yours, Jesus. All I am is yours, Jesus. That's when you have peace. That's when you have joy. That's when your life is filled. I'm going to keep going here just in Matthew, just a few other verses, because I want you to see some of Jesus' message to these um, to these guys. This is, this is verse 16 through 20, and, and, and this just kind of goes to show what they should expect, because Jesus is warming them up to say, listen, this, this ain't going to be easy. This is what he says. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how, how you are going to speak or what you are going to say. For what you are going to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Jesus is warming these guys up to say, oh, yeah, by the way, when you go out and tell them about me, and when you go out to live this radical life, when things start to change around you, people are going to start to label you as a cult. How about that? People are going to label abundant life as a cult when, we start, when they start seeing people be healed and us living radically. They're going to call us irresponsible with our finances. That's what they're going to call us. Yeah, we're going to get that label if we're willing to live radically for Jesus. They're going to say, wow. Um, did you w work up the return on investment for that? No, we didn't, and we don't care because we're doing this for Jesus, and we believe in that, and we need to stand on that. We need to stop weighing this thing like it's a business. Our, your, Christian, your Christianity, your spiritual health is not a business. It's all in for Jesus. Compared to what the world tells you, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But it's so worth it. Everything that Jesus has for us is in this. This is my last patch of verses here. So if, if the um, you guys want to come up and whatever, and if the prayer team wants to get ready, I don't know how much longer I'm going to go here, but this is my last patch of verses. Um, and this is, this is what Jesus kind of finishes this off with. This is what he, uh, his, last, his last final uh, line to his disciples as they're getting ready to be sent out. This is verse 37 through 39. He says, Whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm going to read that last verse one more time. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to know the truth of what it means to be alive, what God has created us for, what true life is, it's surrendering. It's giving it up to Jesus. It's literally taking everything that is your life and saying, Jesus, it's all yours. That's when you'll gain your life. That's when you'll be alive. That's when you'll be fulfilled. The people that spend their life holding on to their life, holding on to what they've decided their flesh wants, chasing these fleshly desires, you will miss out on all the things that Jesus has for you that are so much better than, than anything that you could plan for yourself. Anything that he could give you is so much better than you will ever, could ever even think up in your mind. 
Let's pray. Lord, we come to you as a body, as individuals, Lord, and we, we give everything at your feet. All that we are, we, we, we surrender to your feet, Lord, to your will. God, all the desires and everything that we've worked for, we give all to you, Lord. All of our money, all of our agenda, everything that we have is yours, Jesus. To be used as a resource for your kingdom's work, Lord. We surrender everything we have to you. Lord, we pour out our life at your feet that you will pick us up and make us what you want us, Lord. We're your clay. Mold us and make us into whatever it is that your heart um, has desired for us, Lord. Lord, let us hear you more. And let us just take up the courage that it takes to walk in this in this this walk of faith that you've called us into, Lord. Let us live as a radical church, doing crazy things just for you, Lord. Everything we he- do here for you today is, is, is for you, Lord. This chili cook-off is for you. Everything that we do here is all yours, Lord. We surrender it all to you in Jesus' name.